0: Welcome back everybody and happy Tuesday. Hope you are doing amazing. I am so excited for our conversation today and our episode because we are talking about endometriosis. And I know it is an area that so many women in this community are struggling with really need some support around it. And it has been highly, highly requested. So I'm really excited to have a friend of mine on today's podcast who has struggled for many, many years with endometriosis and has really come out on the other side and has healed. And so today we are diving into her story. We're talking about what endometriosis is. We are talking about specific nutrition and lifestyle strategies that you can incorporate to really support and heal your body, as well as we dive into certain nutrition and lifestyle strategies that are not serving you best and what you want to kind of eliminate out of your life and your diet and all of that. We also talk about movement and exercise. And the type of exercise you really want to do to support yourself hormonally, and of course, support yourself physically, but also to really bring that fire to your pelvic area, which is really, really interesting. So you're going to learn a lot today, and I know it's going to provide you with so much great knowledge and insight into healing. So before we dive into that, I just want to share a little bit about the Thyroid Pro, the supplement that I've been using lately, because I've been using it recently, and I've been getting lots of questions about it over on Instagram when you guys saw me share it. And so just backtracking a little bit, many of you know I was on desiccated thyroid, and I was taking that for almost two years. But last year, I was dealing with a ton of histamine issues, and lots was going on, and I wasn't really feeling any different by taking desiccated thyroid, and again, was having a lot of histamine issues. So... I kind of had this internal instinct to just stop the desiccated thyroid, and it actually helped a lot with my histamine response. Of course, I did implement a lot of histamine protocols and supported my liver and all of that, but... I did stop the desiccated thyroid. I was taking a small dose. I was finding that I was just at this point where it really wasn't serving me anymore. And even if I increased the dose, it actually was starting to have an impact on like my heart and I was having heart palpitations. So a higher dose was not serving me. And so I just decided to stop it and come off. And I obviously want to be supporting my thyroid without Just relying on that long term. And that's just the case for myself. If you are listening to this, that doesn't mean that that's what you should do, just to be clear. But I wanted to do it for myself and see what I can do just on my own to support my thyroid. So I stopped the desiccated thyroid a couple months ago and was just kind of trying to feel out, you know, what I wanted to do moving forward in terms of supporting my thyroid and what I should take. And then I've been using a lot of the Canprev products lately. You guys know I've been using the Adrenal Chill. I also love their Myco10, the mushroom powder that I've been mixing into my elixir. So I've been using a lot of their products and they have this amazing product called Thyroid Pro. And it's specifically formulated with a blend of different essential minerals to support thyroid function and also to help prevent iodine deficiency, which can be very, very common. And I don't actually typically supplement with iodine or I don't really eat a lot of iodine rich food. So I felt I was at this point to really start including that. So I've been taking it for the past couple weeks now and it is called Thyroid Pro. It contains L-tyrosine, which is really important for supporting the formation of your thyroid hormones and your, your T4 and your T3. It's got ashwagandha in there. It's got zinc and copper and manganese and iodine and selenium, all of these amazing nutrients that really help support the conversion of T4 to T3. I kind of think of this product as like a multivitamin for specifically your thyroid. That's kind of how I see it. So it's got some really great mineral support in there and just a lot of support for your thyroid. So I've been loving it and that's what I've been using and we'll just kind of go from here and I'll see if I want to incorporate something that has you know that has the desiccated thyroid and and I'll kind of just play it by ear and see how it goes. You know, I've been on top of my thyroid testing. So when I did test it back in, I think it was like late November, my antibodies have come down significantly. One of them is still raised slightly, but all of my other numbers look really, really good. My TSH was a little bit on the higher side, but it is a real, with your TSH, it's such a sliding scale. So that can literally be changing day to day. So I'll do my testing again in maybe another couple weeks. And Continue, you know, like always, supporting my adrenals and now incorporating the Thyroid Pro. So, if you are in Canada, all my Canadian friends, you can find Canprev products pretty much at any health food store. And if you are in the US and you do want to get your hands on them, you can probably go to nationalnutrition.com. They ship to the US. And same with Nature Source. So, I'll put all of this info into the show notes, which will be over at holisticwellness.ca forward slash episode 94. That's 94. And uh, you can grab all the details there and uh, go about ordering there because those two websites do ship to the US and perhaps also well.ca. You can check there too. So again, the product is Thyroid Pro and it is by Canprev. Okay. So now... Let's dive into our episode. I want to introduce you to Kush Sra. She is a mom of three and a Toronto-based holistic nutritionist and coach for women. She was a long-time corporate gal, but after a long and frustrating journey with endometriosis that included five surgeries and years at the fertility center, Kush turned to holistic approaches to help herself beat endo. It wasn't until her OBGYN was sitting across from her and said more women need to follow your path that she realized she had to share what became her passion with the world. She's the founder of Endo Nutrition and leads a community of women to beat endometriosis through nutrition and lifestyle. Her online practice supports women looking to beat endo with a personalized 12-week program. In her personal life, she spends lots of time with her husband, her kids, probably teaching them nutrition and mindfulness as she says. She loves reading and listening to books and just hanging out with her girlfriends because she loves girl time. You can find her over on Instagram at endonutrition. And I think you guys are really going to love today's episode. She also has her program called Anti-Endo Lifestyle. We will put the link to that in our show notes. And if you mention our podcast name, Healthy Hormones for Women, you can get a 30% off discount off of her program until registration closes on March 31st. So again, just Say our podcast name, Healthy Hormones for Women, when you are booking in a call with her, and then you can get 30% off registration until March 31st. So let's dive into our episode about endometriosis. Thanks so much for being with us today, everyone. Enjoy.
1: Hello, Kush. Welcome to the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast. I'm so excited you're here. I'm so excited to be here. Today. Yes. So thanks for being
0: glad. here. Yeah, this is exciting. And it's a conversation my community has been asking me for for so long. So before we dive into all of that, can you share with our audience a little bit about you and what you do?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I am a holistic nutritionist. I'm also a mom of three. And I have a long story of endometriosis that started. Now, I always say 20 years, but I realize that I'm I'm growing older. And now it's like more than 20 years. <laughs> right, so I think it's like a 22-year journey of endometriosis. So it started in my teens, like a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. I was one of the fortunate ones where I happened to, I guess, be blessed with a magazine with an article in it in my doctor's office. And I literally took it in. I said, I need a referral. I have this. Amazing. And he, he was just like, okay like he didn't know anything about it He's right. like i'm not going to talk to you about it i'm just going to send you along so i got sent i i got diagnosed and the next i would say 5 years out journey was like your typical endometriosis journey for anybody who's had it i went to all the specialists i went to all of the tests and like when i say tests it's not like your typical hormone tests i had tests for like my lung health my leg health like you know cuz endometriosis presents in so many different ways that no one was sure if, if what I was experiencing was endometriosis or other diseases. Right. And that was like a whole journey of mine. And I ended up having five surgeries throughout that. Something triggered me to be like, you got to get off this. And I ended up, you know, finding my way out. I went through a lot of alternative approaches, did my research, got my, you know, experts together. And back then there was no Google, no Facebook, no Instagram, like none of that stuff, right? So this was me driving to places, me going to the library, checking books out and, and right. do- doing the work. For sure. The real research. Like. Yeah, the real research, right? Like, you know, encyclopedias and textbooks of like what people study in medical school, which is fantastic because I built up this like world of knowledge. And then like, you know, I did the called like, the gluten-free things and all that kind of stuff when it wasn't trendy and cool. Mm-hmm. but w- when I did get better and then I ended up having like, you know, three kids that the doctor told me I'd never have, which was like, wow. Like I felt so proud of myself. I was like, yes, I had my kids. for
0: Sure. It's a huge accomplishment.
1: And then I had another one. And then I had another one. And I was like, stop. <laughs> <Let's> stop. <laughs> <laughs> and it was then that I had my third and I, and I don't, I haven't shared this like really publicly much, because people are always like, how do you know you don't have endometriosis? And so this is like a special surprise for y- your show um, listeners is awesome. I actually went and got my tube tied and it was probably like my husband's already, but I'm like, you know what? I want to go. I want to make sure there's no endo. Cause it was the, I was an obsession of my life. For sure. For a very and long time. So much that I was ready to have another surgery right. just to like see. And she literally went in the same doctor came out and said, you don't have any. Wow. And I was like, it's just like, you need to share your path. Like what you did amongst other people who, who didn't do that. And they're still in my office. They're having hysterectomies like, you know, like, and, and I'm like, why do you have hysterectomies? That's a whole other topic. But after that, I went, I considered like, you know, what can I do? I went to a holistic nutritionist and got my diploma and became a nutritionist. I'm like, this is my purpose for, for life right now. Right. I need to help women empower them with this path that I went to, and give them back their lives. If my gynecologist is telling me this, I need to. I need to do it. Like, you know, people don't need to go to that office. Well, you do need to go to that office. (laughs) You also need to do all these other things. Right.
0: Right. There's not just like one way to go about it.
1: Yeah. And and so I've I've just become a health geek. You know, like that organic mama. You know, all that (laughs) stuff because of what I know and I. And I'm hoping to empower women with being able to take back control because endometriosis took over my life and it's just not fair. I also have a tween tween daughter now. Yeah. That's huge. Right? Yeah. Huge. Because I'm just like scared. Like, okay, you know what? I need to make sure that I continue to stay on top of research, do all the stuff and empower her. For sure. So I'm I'm invested in many ways into this endometriosis world.
0: Amazing. Well, our community really has been asking about this topic. So I'm so excited you're here. So tell us like what does it mean to have endometriosis? What is it exactly?
1: All right. Endometriosis is a very complex disease. And the truth is that they do not know why people have it. Right. There there are many theories out there. And some people say that they are getting closer to some down like. I guess, a smaller shortlisting the theories. Right. You know, the old theory used to be retrograde menstruation. That was the most popular one. Whereas like blood from your, inside of your menstruating downward, it would go backwards through your fallopian tubes into your pelvic cavity. Because endometriosis really is, there are endometrium-like, they're not the same. There are cells that act in similar fashion to your endometrium outside of the uterus. So they're in your pelvic cavity. They can go all the way up to your like thoracic cavity. Like people are finding endometriosis in way in locations in the body that are way outside of the pelvis. Right. And what it is is that it develops and it thrives in inflammation. It is obviously managed with estrogen. Like there's an estrogen relationship there. Right. It can produce its own estrogen. So it's a very complex disease. That one of the theories now that are more popular is that it is a genetic. Thing. So because they found endometriosis cells in fetuses. So this wow. happens before you're, you're even menstruating, right? It happens before you're menstruating, the cells are there. The research really needs to now trend towards like epigenetics in terms of like if there's genetics there and the cells are there at birth, then what's happening that's triggering this, you know, proliferation of the disease in some individuals and not in other individuals? Because we do know that there's siblings and there's mother daughters and not everybody has it. But if there's a genetic relationship, just like other chronic diseases, what's triggering it? You know, How are you activating it? How can we prevent it from getting activated?
0: Right. Okay. So many good questions I want to dive into. Mm-hmm. But symptomatically, I mean, I know there's so many things that can show up and it will show up very differently for each yeah. woman. So what does that kind of look
1: like? The main tr- symptoms and triggers that, that for endometriosis that get you into a doctor's office or a diagnosis really is the increasing pain during menstruation and also off cycle. Okay. Right. So a lot of people have painful periods, but you could, you could have cysts, you could have fibroids, you could have, you know, there's a lot of things. And the increase from, from year to year to year to year, that is one of the main triggers that, you know, help, doctors say, Hey, we need to look at you further and understand that this is not normal to have increasing pain year upon year with your periods. Right. Another thing is heavy periods. So a lot of women with endometriosis have heavy periods, have, you know, increasing pain, but then there's also this, you know, like symptoms that of the gut, there's a lot of bloating with women with endometriosis. It's called an endo belly where it's like this hard belly that they get. And that can be at any time during the cycle. Another common symptom is spotting before or spotting after your period. And that's usually also associated with endometriosis. So there's, and obviously, endometriomas, you know, when you have an ultrasound, a lot of women with endometriosis present with endometrioma on an ultrasound. You can't see endometriosis on an ultrasound, just to be clear.
0: Okay. You, can't see,
1: you can't see it on an ultrasound. You can't see it on an MRI. The only way to diagnose endometriosis is through surgery.
0: Okay. So that was my next question. Like how does somebody actually get a true diagnosis?
1: Yeah. You have to go under the knife and get surgery done, which is hard because a lot of people don't even go there. And then, you know, years go by and, and not all doctors are willing to say, hey, let's just have surgery and just check it out. Because surgery is not a joke. It's a big for deal. Sure, for sure. It's, it's highly invasive. There's risks associated with that you know, especially if you want to have kids one day, you know, you want to make sure you're with a very skilled doctor that's not going to, you know, risk your ovarian health there. But it is surgery that the way to get diagnosed for endometriosis. And that's why, unfortunately, sometimes you're like late into your 30s, when you finally get the diagnosis, and that's when you're like trying to conceive sometimes. For sure. And, and, you know, there's no technology right now that can see. The, The issue is, is these cells are they look like normal cells on an ultrasound, on MRI. You can't really see the differentiation in your pelvis between like regular cells on your ab, you know, abdomen and endometriosis. They're, they're just regular blood cells. But when you go in, then you can see the difference.
0: So back then, because you mentioned you had five surgeries,
1: mm-hmm.
0: were you doing the research and realized the only way to find out is, is if I do a surgery? Like What compelled you to do that initially?
1: Yeah. The initial surgery was like the the only way for me to really know. And then I, what I was hoping for is like, if I get this diagnosis, then there'll be treatment. Like the doctors will know what to do. Right. Let's do it. And she's like, you know, I had ultrasounds first, but I was like, okay, let's do the surgery because you'll know what to do after that. And then she's like, we can take it all out. And that's what happened. She took it all out. We got the diagnosis. I'm like, now what? And she's like, well... Maybe we'll put you on the pill and hopefully, fingers crossed, it doesn't grow back. A year later, I was back at her door. Wow. Right? right? Like it grows back even on the pill, even like it just, it grows back. Excision surgery is now, now the new way to do it, which is like where they actually like, it's a, it's a more invasive surgery. There's very few skilled doctors in Canada and the US that do this, but there are, you can find them and they actually take out like the full tissue and underneath So that there really is a much lower chance now of it growing back. Right. But even that, you know, the doctors and the experts out there say you need a holistic plan because this is your, like your health, your entirety of health is actually what's, you know, enabling it to thrive and feeding it and triggering it. Right. Even the expert surgeons are saying this, that there are, you know, things that trigger endometriosis that aggravate it, increase its growth. And you need to address all of those factors.
0: Wow. Well, I mean, thank God they're saying that.
1: Yes. I'm like, where yes. are you? But at least they're here now.
0: Yes, absolutely. So then what did your journey look like in terms of healing? Like where did you start when you were like, okay, I've got to address all these lifestyle factors. You know, what did that look like for you?
1: One of the main like big moments that I share is like I went to Whole Foods and like I spent 200 something dollars. <laughs> yeah. Which back then for me was a lot of money. Yep. And it felt like that whole paycheck thing. Totally. It was like the, the first, one of the first whole foods in, in Canada. And I remember that where I, I just took my pantry and I did it bit by bit. I mean, first I went through the probiotic yogurts and like, you know, the special K diet and like the chicken and brown rice. For sure. I think we all, yeah, everybody I've tried been that, there. Right? Totally. <laughs> We've all tried that. And then it was like, okay, this is not working. This is not like true health from a root cause perspective. And then I put my pantry. I literally cleared my pantry. I sh- I scared my husband. <laughs> you know, went through that whole piece where I went to like the Whole Foods, right? I'm like, got to eat Whole Foods. Got to make sure that there's no like processed foods. Like, you know, eating out of a box, even if it looks healthy, it's still eating out of a box. And then I went into like, okay, what are the triggers for endometriosis from a food perspective? And that's where like I really dove in to making changes. I was like, okay. You know, this whole vegan fad was on, but I was like, okay, it's not veganism that's like going to solve me. Even though I did do veganism, it was really about okay, the triggers are coming from you know environmental toxins, from the estrogens and inflammatory foods, right, that are triggering inflammation in my immune system and not really giving me optimal health through my whole body. Because clearly, right. my, le- my legs were hurting, my lungs weren't optimal. And so I went through the pantry first and I did that. And then I would say I went into like, what are, instead of the treadmill, because I was doing the treadmill and I was like, like cardio. Burn, yeah, like right. burning out my adrenals completely mm-hmm. and putting like so much stress on myself, gaining weight on the treadmill. I was like, this is not working. I went over to like more like softer exercises, like the yogas and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that was the next part of my journey. And then I also went to stress management. I was like, I fought so hard to get my degree after having four surgeries in university as an engineer. And then when I got to corporate, I was ambitious. For sure. But I was stressing myself out in so many ways. For and sure. yet I was like, having surgery, going to work. And so I think that the stress part was also a key component. So that's like, that's kind of like how I went through the journey. I like, I definitely started with food. And then I went through the exercise and I went through like a whole few phases. And that's exactly what I, share with the woman I work with now. It's like, it's not just food. It starts with food, right. but it's not just
0: food. For sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so
0: many things like, obviously there's an immune component that's wow. connected here. So, you know- It
1: is because women, like there are studies that show that women with endometriosis have higher levels of pro-inflammatory cytokines. Like, you know, there is actually right. like science behind this, where there's cells- of your immune system that are inflammatory are higher elevated in women. We know we have more oxidative stress in women with endometriosis. Like there are studies that have like kind of all the pieces. We just have to put them together. That's all it is. We just have to put all the pieces together of how women with endometriosis, you know, need support for their immune system, need support to reduce inflammation.
0: Right. Okay. Awesome. So, now, when you say you had those five surgeries, does that mean like every year you were going back for five years to just keep I think up? it was
1: like five surgeries over seven years.
0: Wow. That's a lot.
1: It was a lot. And I questioned my doctor. I'm like, you know, like, and she's like, well, you were so against the meds once like you felt the side effects. And I was like, true. Mm-hmm. Like I tried the meds. I even had one shot where they put me into like medical menopause. Oh, God. I only, I, I thank God I only did one month. I became like, it was like, I was anxious. I was depressed. I was everything. off for that, sure. For you sure. Know? And I didn't feel right. I was like, I still need to have kids. Right. And obviously that's why having kids, I felt what got a lot harder for me too. Yeah. But I would say the surgeries, you know, for me end up being like, guess what? There's not going to be that much impact to my body. Just go in and clean it out. Right. And I need to get back to work. I need to get back to university. Like I need to maintain life. Mm-hmm. And if this is what you all, all, all you have to offer, then I'll take it. I was, right. de- I was desperate. Of course. And that's what I think, you know, you know, a lot of women with endometriosis feel, they feel alone, they feel hopeless and they feel desperate for any kind of help. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no empowerment. And I feel it's, that it's still sometimes the case with that, uh, you know, and I look at my communities, a lot of negativity because the medical community hasn't really shown up you know, in a way that's empowering women and giving them things that help. Like, we know none of this medication works. No medication out there really treats endometriosis well. The experts are saying this at conferences out loud now. Right. So, if the doctors are saying this, and yet then you have this other side of doctors prescribing this, it, it doesn't feel right. We don't feel the trust in the system. For sure. And I did, definitely didn't, but. Well, that's why we have you now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah. Right. Absolutely. So, you spoke about like lifestyle strategies that you implemented and nutritional strategies. So, can we just dive in a little bit deeper there? Mm -hmm. And, you know, like nutritionally, like what are sort of the top things that you recommend women either eat or don't eat? Like, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, let's start with the don'ts because those are easy, like, easy and they're popular. and, And I talk about them a lot because it's pretty straightforward. Like, the first thing that I always say is you have to know yourself. And when you're trying to quit something, choose the one that you're going to be most successful at first. For sure. I'm going to get, if I give you like three things that you should quit, I want you to pick one that you're going to be successful at, because if you're not successful, you're not going to see the results. And then you're going to be like, Hey, I can't do this endo diet thingy." For sure. You know, it's not working for me. So some of those things that I start off with are like, first of all, dairy. And dairy, like people talk about it because it's inflammatory because the protein is really big and it hurts our gut, which is all true. And it's not good for endometriosis in that sense as well. Mm-hmm. But dairy also from a food chain perspective contains the highest levels of dioxins. Crazy. And so, and dioxins are the primary source from a food chain with red meat and dairy and I'm going to pick on dairy a little bit more here, but dairy really has a high level of dioxins. And that is known from a study and science perspective to trigger and aggravate endometriosis. It is like the number one thing that's going to make a difference in terms of your bloating, the flares and helping endometriosis thrive. If you're able to cut that down and even cutting it down makes a difference. Whereas like, you know, some people say there's, you got to cut all the food or you got to cut all this out. Even cutting it down significantly and, and keeping it as a cheese as your treat thing will make a difference. And you'll notice that within like even a month or two months on your period cycle. So dairy is the first thing that I would say to reduce alongside red meat following that. The other thing is like caffeine, we know caffeine triggers endometriosis. And in, you know, whether it's the cortisol or, or, and the caffeine, like there, it's a combination for caffeine. But women have definitely noticed the lighter cycles too. When you cut down on the caffeine, caffeine yeah, and cut down. And, and so that's why I say, but not green tea, right? Because green tea has those antioxidants, which right. is, I'm, I'm going to talk about why we need antioxidants for endometriosis specifically. Awesome. But caffeine definitely, I would be as one of the things to reduce. For sure. It's very estrogenic too. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I do find a lot of my clients have like a lot of breast tenderness and whatnot even with the dairy, like so many PMS symptoms between just the caffeine and the, and the dairy alone, so.
1: Yeah, and this is the thing with endometriosis, like they say it's one in 10, right? But that's like people who have been diagnosed and confirmed, right? Right, like we're looking at potentially double that. For sure. If, if there was a way to diagnose it without that. Yeah. And we, and we know for infertility cases, up to 50% of infertility cases have endometriosis in them.
0: Wow, that's a that's a large, that's a big number.
1: It's a big number I'm gonna throw at you. Because yeah. and it's not like the primary cause of infertility would be endometriosis in all of those patients. Right. But it, it plays a role in right. up to 50% of infertility cases. That's huge. It's out there a lot. The other one for endometriosis is gluten. You know, the wreaks havoc on the thyroid, which is connected to the ovaries and the ovarian yeah, health. For sure. And then the belly bloat, why do people get misdiagnosed with IBS with endometriosis? It's because of the belly, right? And we know gluten is so hard and modern day gluten is way worse than like, you know, ancient gluten that we used to eat as well. Absolutely. And so for gluten, it is, I feel like an elimination thing. Slowly eliminating gluten, you'll see the difference in your gut, in the belly bloat. And then the proliferation of those flares, what, you know, what we call endometriosis flares is like those like days where everything just seems off, where the endometriosis seems to have its own period right. and, and bloat. So those flares really get tamed when you reduce those foods. I mean, after that, you have like your, your sugars and like your chocolates and, and red meats and all that kind of stuff. But those right. definitely, I would say, are the top and for a little bit different reasons than, you know, your typical at PMS Right, for
0: sure. And then what about like quality in terms of dairy and meat? You know, are you conscious that if someone is going to eat it, at least choose something that's like pasture raised or grass
1: fed and organic? Yeah, like I would totally focus on like grass fed, right? So most grass fed are organic. I know some of them aren't, but I still would go for the grass fed. I still think that it's going to have the higher omega. Freeze, for sure, and reduce the inflammation there. And if you're grass-fed, you're less likely to have a higher dioxin exposure because they'll naturally be able to get rid of any of extra dioxins on the on the on the fields and farms. So the quality of the meat is massive, and I say that for red meat. So I do say red meat you can you can consume, but make sure it's low volume, high quality. For red meat. Yeah, I love that. You know, I consume red meat. I consume it very like very infrequently, but when I consume it, it is grass fed red meat. Locally, I know where it's coming from. And so definitely that makes a difference. I would say for meat, endometriosis, like it's all about the quality and it should be like a side dish, not like your main Main. dish, but Mm -hmm. but it needs to be a side dish for
0: sure. Got it. Okay. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to let you continue because I think you had, yeah, more. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you had more to say. Well, I'm going to talk about the things to add in. Perfect. Right? Yeah. Like, let's go there. So the, the number one thing that I say focus on is antioxidants. And I say this because it's easy way to make changes to your diet without being too restrictive. Right. You know, we want to make this doable, but we want to make it effective. So why are antioxidants so effective? We know that women with endometriosis have higher levels of oxidative stress you know, there's free radicals in your body. There's more toxins. You know, there's a, a study done where women who have endometriosis versus women who don't have endometriosis, and they took this tissue from both. So like surgically removed it and tested it. And women ha- with endometriosis have 10 times more dioxins. It's a lot. It's, it's 10 times more. It's not even like a like, double, triple it's 10 times more. And so what that's causing is oxidative stress in your body, For sure, but you can protect yourself, Mm -hmm. right? You can like, I mean, detoxification is one way, but just increasing the level of berries and greens, your onions and garlics, like there's a variety of foods that are high in antioxidants that you can consume to help protect yourself from this. So that way it's not like, Oh, I must eat only broccoli and cauliflower. Well, no, you can eat cabbage. You can eat include turmeric and ginger in your, you can include, you know, wild fish into your diet. Like there's so many things that you can just add into your diet and feel good that you're protecting yourself. Right. And even the berries and greens, like there's, so that's what, when I always say, when you add in more, you naturally will take away some of the bad stuff. Absolutely. Like you'll fill it out. Right. Yep. So fill yourself out by adding in foods that are high in antioxidants. And like, if you can just take that away today on this podcast, like in terms of diet changes, that would be like my go-to is at, look into antioxidants and protect yourselves. Cause there's also a study that says antioxidants may even like, it even led to women canceling their surgeries.
0: That's huge.
1: Right. And so yeah. that, because they either got pregnant or they got like their, their pain went away. That's amazing. And so as I say, everything I say is like, you know, it's, there's research and science out there. It's just unfortunate that it's not mainstream just yet. That's my goal. goal.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. To spread that awareness. So, okay. So we know that diet and certain foods can obviously be a trigger. And then from a lifestyle or environmental perspective with toxins and whatnot, what should women want to be conscious about there?
1: Yeah. So some of the big triggers that I talk about are like everyday triggers, you know, we know that like soaps and shampoos with parabens and phthalates are are big triggers of what we call like estrogen mimicking hormones. Yes, for endometriosis specifically, there's a definite need to decrease that. Right, we definitely want to decrease that exposure because we're, we are highly exposed, and also we're maintaining that. So for whatever reason, our immune system you know, the, the function is not as optimal as other women. We're not able to clear out toxins. That's why we have them. We have more inflammation. So we need to be more vigilant than the average woman when it comes to what products we use in our hair and our makeup and our shampoo. Right. One of the big ones that I I always talk about is chlorine because it is a dioxin. I focus on chlorine a lot and it's a simple thing like your hot shower could be a huge trigger for you. Wow. Right? Like it's chlorine is absorbed more through as because at a natural state it's a gas. So you can inhale more of it than you can through your skin. And so taking that hot shower if you're not ventilating it properly and you have then you have a plastic, you know, PVC lined shower curtain, right. There, you're like you without even knowing that you're exposing yourself and you're like trying to eat all healthy and like doing your yoga. And then it's like, you love these long showers and you're like incubating yourself in like this chlorine. And people say, well, is that the only thing? Well, no, it's, but it's an accumulation. Yes, for sure. We don't get to 10 times higher by one thing alone. Of course. Yeah. But it's an accumulation. So, you know, being careful of chlorine in your house, in your cleaners, in your laundry, and then also the showers and making sure you don't have like, you know, PVC lined shower curtains, get in get an alternative shower curtain, ventilating your shower. Like you take a hot shower, great. But open the door, right? Right. So that's another one that I, I focus on a lot. And getting water filters.
0: Yeah, for sure. We have one in our shower and
1: you have one in your shower? Yeah. And in
0: our kitchen, everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So water filters are huge because chlorine and then fluoride free, like toothpaste, because fluoride also is another one right? So these are the dioxins that we're more exposed to on an everyday basis that I always say, like just small changes, small changes every day, they actually accumulate up. And within like a year, you could, you can totally transform like how you feel, you'll notice a difference. Right.
0: And so I think just for like our audience too, like when you're saying dioxins, like you're basically, you basically mean environmental toxins. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it's a, it's a family of chemicals right. that, that they highly mimic estrogen yeah and they they they're an endocrine disruptor. So they really they wreak havoc on your on your hormones. <laughs> and specifically for endometriosis, you definitely want to reduce your exposure because science tells us that you already have more in you than the average woman right. Okay, awesome. So good to know
0: there. And then you've mentioned gut health and that there's a really big link between gut health and endometriosis. So obviously we want to do things like, eliminating the gluten and things like that? Are there other strategies that you might suggest around this?
1: Absolutely. So gut health is massive for all chronic diseases, right? Like, I think that there's a linkage between all chronic diseases and the gut. For sure. And, and I think that not many people will argue that one anymore before I think we finally get there. But for endometriosis specifically, it's it's the immune system and also the moods. So our immune system is definitely something we want to be able to support and get make it stronger so that we can help eliminate all these toxins that we're exposed to and balance out the hormones like get that extra estrogen out the bad estrogen out right and so the gut is where that magic happens for sure and so we want to reduce inflammation in our gut and make sure that whatever we're eating is not triggering any kind of IBS symptoms because that will lead to your immune system kind of having to fight back again, bloat, and and you're not getting those antioxidants that you need. You're not going to be able to break down the food that you need, Right. right? And so for endometriosis, why gut health is so important is because A, the likelihood is you've already had either some kind of exposure to medications that have reduced your stomach's capacity to digest food and break down the nutrients, whether it's a pill or, you know, Lupron or any of that kind of stuff or surgeries that you've been through. And because so many women go through IBS uh, treatment first, there's a like high likelihood that you ha- had exposure to like Tums, Prevacid, you know, naproxen, painkillers. For and sure. It, and it's uh, AIDS. you know, so the non-steroidals, like your Advils, yeah. that also weakens your gut. And so what you're doing is all these things to manage endometriosis have further reduced your, your digestive powers. And you need more digestive powers than the average to help eliminate right? So you're often battling constipation as well with endometriosis. And the importance of gut health is huge because when you beat the constipation, when you get the inflammation down, what you're able to do is amp up your immune system, eliminate the excess estrogen and get your gut flora back so that your immune system is at play. We know the lymph system is so big in our gut, but it's also big in our pelvic region.
0: Oh yeah, for sure
1: right? And so what's happening is that the lymph, it doesn't have that energy, that flow and that life in the pelvic region, because normally, the lymph is what would take out all of that excess endometriosis tissue and get rid of it. It would get disposed of all that endometriosis, but it's not optimal. So it's not able to function in a normal female where it clears out any extra, you know, tissue comes up, that's not supposed to be there, the lymph does its job by clearing it out why isn't it doing with endometriosis? That's where the impairment comes of the immune system. And we're seeing more pro-inflammation rather than the clearing out. So gut health, that's why gut health is so important for endometriosis is because A, elimination is important and B, your immune system is is housed there and your immune system plays a big role. Awesome. Okay. So... I want to dive into movement and
0: exercise because you mentioned something about being on the treadmill all the time and you were focusing more on cardio. And so I just wanted to dive into that. And, you know, is there like an ideal way that women with endometriosis should be moving their bodies and exercising? What does that all look like?
1: Yeah. So cardio for me and and for a lot of women, I feel like if you're in a high cortisol state, um, and you're pushing yourself further, it's not gonna be helpful. Like, your adrenals are gonna get taxed, your cortisol is gonna go up, inflammation's gonna go up, and you're gonna get frustrated that you're not seeing the results. Plus, the focus for endometriosis, like, if you're gonna just do movement for, for endometriosis health and, and pelvic health, there are specific things that you can do. Like, I know that my biggest aha moment was I actually need to move my pelvis. Like, my pelvis needs to get stretched open because right. in Chinese medicine, you go that, you know, the cold hands and feet, right? And a lot of women with endometriosis have cold hands and feet. And that whole circulation um, concept, the theory of circulation in your body, your chi, um, it goes everywhere and then it goes to your hands and feet. And following your hands and feet, it goes to your pelvis. And so, if you have cold hands and feet, your pelvis is getting even less. You know, blood than that because right. at the end of the day, you're you you do not need your pelvis to live. It's like it's full, right. full. It's like not even a secondary. It's like third in line. Right. It's there to reproduce. So I was like, my hands and feet are so cold. Like my pelvis must be frozen. And people, <laughs> people, people say this. They say, "Have they frozen pelvis?"
0: This is so interesting.
1: And so it was really about how do I open up my pelvis and get that blood flow through there? Like maybe my lymph is not moving because I'm not. You know, like, like I'm locked up in a chair, I'm stressed, I'm in pain, I'm in the right. fetal position. Yeah. And I'm so tense. So, everything that I do to unlock that energy. And so, it was really about doing butterfly poses with yoga, doing squats to open up my pelvis, doing things like a shoulder stand or legs up against the wall with yoga. And like that. Bringing blood flow back through the pelvis. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and really warming that all up and then the 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 other exercise that i found very helpful was qigong you know it's really just you know bringing like slow movement breathing yeah yeah and just working the energy in the pelvic region and it seems like so small but it is so profound like mm-hmm. eastern medicine they know things <laughs> yeah they they know what's up <laughs> they do and so it felt really weird and awkward doing these things. My husband's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "I'm exercising." And he's like, "Sure, right." <laughs> like, like, I didn't break a sweat. Yeah, but but I didn't need to. The blood was flowing. My energy was flowing, and that's what it was about. I increased my energy. Like I t- I doubled my my energy levels. I felt. Yep. You know, I was up and about and everything and I wasn't just, you know, running and then getting exhausted, running and getting exhausted, mm-hmm. you know, so, and, and running is fine if you're, if you're there and you've, you've maintained it and, and your marathon or whatever it is, you know, if you're doing HIT and that works for you and you're not getting tired after working out. Right. It's not like those don't, are like bad for everyone. Right. They're not. But individually, you need to assess what's right for you. And for for endometriosis, I would always say incorporating some of those key poses from yoga and trying out some Qigong movements would be really beneficial to help that pelvic blood flow, right? Getting that old, getting the cysts refreshed, like getting the blood out.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's a really, really great tip. And I know there's a lot of women, I mean, I was in the same boat that are stuck in that idea of, and that mentality of you have to like work out hard and you have to be like sweating buckets at the end of your, uh, at the end of your workout. And I know like I've shared many times how I used to do orange theory and I would go, I maybe went for like two or three months and like would literally come home and fall asleep on my couch. Like I was exhausted. It was like a whole hour of just like high intensity. And I was like, this is just not for me. And I really, I had like a lot of Exercise intolerance for quite some time, and it took a long time to focus on that parasympathetic and that healing and that slowing down before I could speed up again. And so I sometimes feel like women roll their eyes at me or some of my clients when I'm like, "Listen, you gotta cut the workouts down." Yeah, they just look at me like I have three heads or something. But
1: yeah, and I can say that I was at my my fittest, like lowest body fat, and like just super high energy. When I only did those. See, I love Right? It. Like, and it, it like, and like this, I don't know what it was, but everything just melted off. <laughs> like, yeah. Yep. And I was like, hey, this is working. And I don't have to like stress myself out for an hour. For sure. I mean, <laughs>
0: for sure. Because, you know, it's a big hormonal component. And like you said, it's not that you shouldn't do hit or you shouldn't do yeah. these types. Of, yeah. Like it might work for you, but. It's about assessing where you are hormonally and with your cortisol and just really tuning into that. And then you may or may not have to make those adjustments. So and
1: you can work your way anywhere, I say. Like, you know, totally. If it hits your thing, like mentally, you can work your way there for sure. Absolutely. I I do it, I do more of that now because I'm focusing on bone strength as I age and stuff like that. But you know, I'm I'm not letting go of the things that did work for me too. Right. Absolutely.
0: Okay, awesome. So I want to talk about mindset because I'm sure there are some mindset strategies that women can really adopt to help them to help them get through this process and I feel like there's probably a lot of women who are in a position where they feel they won't be able to heal or that it's really not possible for them. So, you know, what what do you really say to that woman who is feeling that way and what are some mindset shifts they can really start to adopt?
1: This is such, like, this is where, like, I love to spend time with my women in my, in my communities because it is the game changer, Mm -hmm. you know, for me as well, because I lived in that moment, like I, not moment, I lived in those years where I was like, I call it like the dark merry-go-round, you know, it's like, (laughs) it's like that haunted merry-go-round where you like, just keep Keep going around (laughs) and it seems like you're like, you know, in a good place and you're going around, then you're like, oh, I'm going back here and yep. I'm back here. And you don't think you're going to be able to get off because that's what you've been told. Mm-hmm. And that's what the doctors have been told. right? And we place doctors on a really high pedestal, which is great because like they're, they're really helpful and, and, and all that, but they only know what they've been trained. right? And the science and the research hasn't been done further enough to empower women to heal themselves from all this stuff. And endometriosis specifically hasn't had, you know, a good amount of funding, depend, especially compared to how many women are suffering from it. Right, right. But mindset sh- mindset shifts. I would say is versus, you know, what everyone else believes is only because they don't know better. Right, like they haven't been taught better. Yeah. It, you know, like just because they're saying that doesn't mean it's the truth. For sure. Right. The like the truth is in all these piecemeal studies that someone hopefully someday. We'll get behind and put them together and put it into the medical community, right? That's where the truth is. And so for, for mindset shifts, I think it's one big thing is believing in your own self and your own body's powers, right? This is where I start with all the women. I'm like, at the end of the day, your uterus has cells in there that can create a temporary organ that has the blueprint for human life, Right. Huge. Those cells have all of that in it. Like it's it's miraculous, is what it is. And you know what's telling it what to do. Like I didn't I didn't give any instructions to a uterus. Thank God <laughs> I didn't. Because right. I would have no idea what to do. But the uterus figured that out. They you know, like it created, you know, the placenta and it created three babies, and then it knew when it was time for them to be delivered. Mm-hmm. And so your body has information. Your body has cells that know how to keep you healthy and keep you alive. Right. And if you give it the nutrients and give it like, you know, the playbook of like overall holistic health, it will thrive. And that's where I always start is like, you do know that. Right. And then they're like, yes, I guess so. Right. Like, you know, like those cells are smart. Mm -hmm. They don't want to keep you in pain. Right. And and believing in the fact that you actually have control. So with chronic illness, we know this through functional medicine studies that are out there now, that we control up to 90% of the factors with of chronic illness, right. whether it's environmental toxins, stress, diet, lifestyle, you know, all of those factors, we can actually control all of those. Mm-hmm. And th- if that gives us 90% of the control back, then why is, why is, you know, why are you still not believing that? Right. And so I think it's really key to like share these different perspectives that help them say, ah, yeah, you're right. You know, like we can control what, you know, our body does to a a great extent. But in endometriosis, especially, there's a lot of negativity because it's like this whole of no cure, there's no cure. But Sure, there's no cure to that ge- to that genetic factor, just like many diseases. Right. But epigenetics is now giving us the whole unlocking of how can you control what your gene actually does, how your totally. gene expresses itself. Yep. And so, but like, what are the actual mindset shifts that you need once you're like, I can tell you all the facts of why you should believe that you can take control. I can tell you the science behind that. But what I think that women are missing out on is- I have a lot of feminine powers in me and I and I should adore the feminine power in me. I should love, you know, the fact that I'm a woman. That gets lost really quickly mm-hmm. when you have things like endometriosis causing the symptoms and the pains that we experience.
0: For sure, for sure. In like your most sexual Part organ, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course.
1: And, and it's our most private, our most sacred part yes. of our body, and we've been taught that, right? We don't like to talk about it, right? And and especially when it's negative, we feel ashamed, we feel embarrassed, and when sex gets painful, because that's a symptom of endometriosis. For painful sure. sex, we we really feel like we're not woman enough. Yeah, you know, we can't have a baby. We're not woman enough, and so it goes back to shifting and saying, "I love." who I am as a woman. I love my pelvic, like hell. Like I I love my pelvis. I love my, I always say I love my lady parts. It's an Mm -hmm. affirmation I give to, you know, the women I work with. (laughs) I love it. I love my lady parts because at the end of the day, they make you smart. They make you strong. They make you a woman. They make you caring. They make you all these other things too. Mm -hmm. Not just the sex part, not just the baby part. Right. They make you all these other things. And, you know, like it's about building that self-love back that you feel like, hey, okay, they're on my side. They're not against me. I, I don't want to get rid of them. Right. Because we have this like, you know, theory that it's like, okay, if I just get rid of all of them, if I just have a hysterectomy, I'll be done with that. And the, and right. the fact is you won't be, right? Because endometriosis won't get solved by a hysterectomy. But building love back is for your forever health. For if, sure. It's there for your mental health too. So those are some of the, the affirmations that i do. Is like building the self-love practice is actually something that I work through with women. And I know that I had to do it. I, I was a, a girl that liked to have control. I was ambitious and mm-hmm. I was in control of my life. And then I got handed the endo card. And I feel like it was something that I needed to grow through. For sure. Not just go through, but I had to grow through it and realize that I don't have control over this right now. I have to let go of control and I had to work on those pieces of my of myself. You know, I love myself you know, being a woman is great. Cause I didn't think women, being a woman was great as a kid. I thought that the guys For got to sure. do everything.
0: Yeah, I yeah. felt
1: unlucky sometimes as being a girl. So I was like, nope, being a woman is great. I can do anything I want, even as a woman. And I built that self-love back and i was like, my periods are great and all this stuff. And And this is the coaching that the mindset shifts that we all need to do. We need to take back, you know, being in love with being a woman. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. It's deep work because it's really hard to sit there after all of this pain and whatever like you had as your childhood thing, like I had, like I, I thought it wasn't be good enough being a woman mm-hmm. and, and write down like, I love myself because I love being a woman because a woman, sure. be, being a woman that allows me to, and then I have control over my health and writing out how you have control over your health, right. and how, how you can take back control. So it's actually like, I would say the most complicated part, but the most yes. fun part of my practice for sure is building back that, you know, feminine energy and power and, and taking back control and, and loving yourself and it's
0: such an important part and i think that and it is complicated and it is hard and it's it's also one of those things that doesn't yield an immediate result so i think that's why so many women just either don't believe that that's what they need you know and it, it takes like ladies it takes years years upon years and like i always say next level, next devil, like as you continue to grow and tune in, like something else will show up. And again, you'll have to tune in deeper and dig deeper. Like it is a never ending process. It's a journey. It's
1: like, this is our life journey, right? Yeah. Like I'm like, this is like, yeah. And I would say when I started trying to have it, I mean, at first it was just negative, negative, negative for like two years. I went to the clinic and, you know, got poked and prodded and the doctors didn't even know what to do with me. Like, they're like, oh, let's try IUI with you. So, I'm like, okay. And I was in my 20s then. So, like, they were really dumbfounded to have a girl in their 20s in their clinic back then. For sure. And oh, none of them wanted us to, like, none of them really wanted to do anything with me because they were scared. And then I started changing my, you know, my, doing my own, like, um, detox and, and changing my lifestyle and all this stuff. And then I started getting a positive on a test. But then I'd get my period a few days later. And then it happened again. Having it. six chemical pregnancies. Now I know what it's called, six chemical pregnancies, right? Where it didn't implant properly. So it was a point where I was, I was able to conceive, but then implantation wasn't working. wasn't working. Yeah. You know, that's the immune factors are there, right? Yeah. But what are, what are the immune factors say? Like my uterus was rejecting this, right? By pr- and protecting me. Like they always say rejection is protection, right? So it was something, it was rejecting it because it was protecting me. Like I wasn't ready for life yet in me. And so, and that's when I started getting into like the, I would say mindset work, the, you know, like self-love spiritual work.
0: work. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And when I got into that, that's when I feel like my uterus cells were like, calm down. She's good. Mm-hmm. She like can, don't, like sh- don't rush this kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, and all of a sudden, like, you know, implantation worked and I have mm-hmm. my daughter now, but- it was because I feel like that rejection didn't need to happen. Like that protection never needed to happen anymore. My my uterus, right. it always knows what it's doing. It was like, okay, now she's ready, you know, for, for life. Right? Got it. And that's not where, like, I'm still on this journey of figuring out who I am and how I love myself as a woman. For sure. 12 years later, 13 years later. <laughs> yep. But I think it's just, you know, don't judge yourself saying that you can't do this work or this work is, you know, it's just... Whatever you feel right for yourself, just do that much mm-hmm. and, and take away the judgment of it or the taboo of this, you know, work that we, we find so complicated. Just for do sure. it. Take, pick up a journal and just write. Right. Amazing.
0: Well, that was awesome. I think it's a really great way to end off this awesome episode. And before we do that, I'd love for you to share with our audience about your program that you have.
1: Yeah. So, I am the founder of Endo Nutrition, and we we run a lot of Endo Challenges, and there's a lot of good resources, a great community that we have on Facebook as well as on Instagram. And the way that I work with women or I coach women is we run a 12-week anti-Endo lifestyle program. So it's a personalized 12-week program where I get to know all about your lifestyle and your diet and your endo story because it is, you know, unique and complex. For sure. And then we go through the five phases of healing and they're all personalized and making sure that, you know, the diet is right for you, your supplements, that, you know, you're not playing whack-a-mole with supplements. <laughs> yep. that's a, you know, a tricky ground to play in. For sure. And in the best part is there's like a tribal feeling. Like there's a support where you don't feel alone. You don't feel like you're being judged by your workplace your husband your this and that mm-hmm. people people understand you when you say it make endometriosis does this to me and it, right. it could be like such a weird and you know thing to someone else but the group will get you so For sure it, it, there's a tribal support but it and it like okay, I would say only a quarter of it is nutrition yeah like there's like there's there's a lot of things you know that we've we've pieced together from For a science sure. perspective yep. and so and it's a 12 week program but the women are like within two months, one month, like pain-free at, at period of time. It's ridiculous oh, how so great. fast the transformation happens. And some people it is three months, four months, but you know what? The energies are going up. The migraines are going away. For sure. And, and we even have people who have babies, which is fantastic. Like, I mean, that's not really the focus, but you know, people are, you know, conceiving It happens. Yeah. Yeah. It happens.
0: Oh, that's so amazing. Well, we will be sure to put that link in our show notes so that everybody can access it. And then you're also hanging out on Instagram, right?
1: Yes. Nutrition.
0: Okay. Perfect.
1: That's where to find me.
0: Great. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. That was Thanks for having me. This is no a wonderful
1: conversation. I oh, love great. this.
0: Oh, great. Yeah. That was super informative and I know it's going to benefit so many women in our audience. And, yeah. Go follow you over on Instagram, Endo Nutrition, and we'll put all the links in our show notes. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for being with us today. And I really, really hope you enjoyed our episode with Kush. You can follow her on Instagram at Endo Nutrition. And if you are curious to join her program, be sure to mention the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast and you'll receive 30% off until registration closes on March 31st. And also, thank you so much for all the ratings and the reviews. It means so, so much. I always read those reviews and it means a ton. It really warms my heart and those reviews mean a ton because it allows our podcast to reach more women. So if you haven't left us a rating and review yet, we would so, so appreciate your support. Thanks everyone for being here and tuning in today. I will connect with you all next week.